It's time for another episode of Off the Record, On the Rocks. Join Michael Toner and Ankarina Lara and break down the latest news on all things Web3, AI, Metaverse, and crypto, filtering out noise and connecting dots as we pour ourselves into the future. All right, everybody, welcome back to another Off the Record, On the Rocks with my good friend, Mr. Ankarina Lara. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic. I received a little present in the mail to myself, a little new iPhone. In the process of transferring data and setting things up, I look forward to reporting back about the future once yes. I have it in my hand. <laughs> Let us know how that iOS 17 is running. I am in the process of updating operating systems. Uh, coming out of a, a busy week, last week we, we recorded and then sort of jumping ahead. We're, it's Monday, September 25th, uh, rounding out the end of the year, rounding out the fiscal year as we head into the end of September. Um, we've got a lot of stuff to get through. We've got a government shutdown looming over us here in Washington, D.C. We've got a GOP debate coming this week. We've got maybe some news on the writer's strike and, and some resolution. Uh, we've also got Biden. We've got to, about to go visit the front picket lines and and i guess be on strike with the auto workers we can cover all this stuff i'll start with the government shutdown um we talked about it last week in the terms just in terms of the continual fud every time it comes around this one to me does feel like it's september 25th there is no deal we are going into september 30th that's the deadline at midnight if there's no deal the government will shut down they can maybe pass some uh, continuing resolutions. There can be some short-term stop gaps. But at the end of the day, if there's no budget uh, approved, the government will shut down. Government workers will be sent home. They're not allowed to check their email. They're not allowed to be on the clock. They cannot be working. However, most of the banks, at least in my experience, will uh, put out that crisis comms alert on their website that says <laughs> your paycheck is safe if you're a government worker and Government workers oftentimes will still end up getting paid, the banks fronting that paycheck, because as we talked about, once the government does pass that budget and reopens, the money flows right back and those folks get paid. So government shutdown looming, is it FUD? Is it going to happen? And will McCarthy take the blame? Uh, that's my my top, top Yeah, so mind. that's a, my question, I guess, really comes down to when we talk about the, the nuance of the divisions of the government that get shut down. Because the government shutdown and the writer's strike uh, in the, and the auto strike are kind of all share similar characteristics. And I know that there are some organizations or some groups that will not be able to work at all. And that's like a, more a writer's strike analogy, right? Even in the writer's strike analogy, I don't think you're even allowed to talk about projects you're working on, much less type. Like it's almost like a gag order, sure. what I understand, right? You're not allowed to kind of tease things that are coming because you're supposed to be on strike. So does that carry over to the U.S. government where when you say you can't look at your email, does that mean you also can't really talk business to people? That's sort of my first question. And my second one is because then we heard that the SEC and uh, Mr. Gary Gensler, the chairman of the Security and Exchange Commission, I guess has a, a, a certain provision where he, he and his organization don't get shut down. Because that, they're not technically the government? That's that my understanding, that, that the okay. SEC can continue enforcement actions. Uh, I guess things that have already been set in motion. 
uh, that instead of pausing them because of the government shutdown, that these are matters likely of national security (laughs) that must continue uh, for the SEC to continue doing the work that it does. In terms of other government agencies, I think it's agency by agency, uh, likely depending on you know, whether it gets classified as essential personnel, you hear that term a lot during winter right. snowstorms. You hear it also <laughs> during government shutdowns. Uh, if you're deemed essential, <laughs> then don't worry. You know, we still need you to work uh, and likely you still get paid. But it's messy. I do think uh, whatever is happening here over the next week, it does feel like a setup and it feels like a very well orchestrated setup. It is funny to then surprise, point... surprise, surprise, surprise. Here we find <laughs> a well orchestrated narrative, a well told story. And and they're getting in so many things. There's going to be this first hearing on Biden impeachment, I think, on Thursday before the deadline on Friday. And like, as you said, the writer strike and this picket line uh, stunt that that Biden's going to pull it's all to get us to September 30th. And the the other one we can get right to, which is if the government is going to shut down, then wouldn't it be nice to hold up this writer's strike resolution? Um, and it seems like here we are on Monday, September 25th uh, from LA Times that the writers are close to closing in on a deal. What's, what's your take? Well, you know, we talked about predicting when the strike would end because like nothing is by accident, right? There's no coincidences anymore. And we know that at least I think we talked about Thanksgiving being like the drop dead. There's gotta be back to work by then because we need a bunch of content for the fall. And obviously that would be a drop dead. If you could get that done just before the end of the fiscal, that's also very convenient. Like this whole end of fiscal or end of quarter, uh, maybe fiscal for some businesses is, uh, is, is apparently pretty important across the boards. So for me, it feels like the writer's strike is ending in a nice, neat, tidy way, even though I'm sure that that sounds crass to anyone who's listening who's in the industry, but the timing of it is perfect this week. And why is that perfect? Well, we need to create a lot more content for all these other deals and partnerships that we've heard announced. We, not that long ago, during the strike heard at Wanderlust that Apple is going to be integrating Disney content. And is Apple going to have Vision Pro and their metaverse of entertainment, and they're not going to have any new content, well, that's going to be a problem. And so similarly, as all these other companies start to expand and do more deals and get licensing you know, for, for sports franchise and everything else, it just feels like those the wheels that were totally ground to a halt in Los Angeles are starting to just turn again. And it's also a holiday in LA today, so it's a great day to drop news saying, we're getting close. We're getting close to a, you know, a resolution. And maybe it takes a few days, a few more weeks to kind of hammer out the details. But then, gosh, it feels like we are going to be just plowing forward in October towards a, a whole new tranche of content. And uh, we got movies hitting right now that are were kind of the last movies that were in the cans. We're going to get some new movies coming. It's maybe just a prolonged prolonged summer break. I don't, I don't know. The narrative feels like it's been very succinctly wound just here before the uh, before the end of the fiscal, end of the I, quarter. I love that we just swung from pure swamp of Washington to L.A. writer's strike, that, talking about Disney and Apple, you know, and, and the, the partnership that, that 
We saw Bob Iger come out. He was the one more thing. We know that that's leading us into the Apple Vision Pro launch, no doubt about it. One thing that I, I it just popped up on my newsfeed that I think is funny, taking us back to Disneyland there in California, looks like today they tapped good old Kardashian to make some news about a baby shower, I guess, that they did at Disney. I mean, this, this is a, amazing to me. You can't go to the writers. Uh, they can't do any kind of big promotion right now, but who can you tap? Trusty influencers, uh, as long as they they put, the, you know, hashtag this is an ad, and they're likely not being paid in crypto anymore. Uh, but it does look like the Kardashians made their way to Disney. That is also interesting to me at the same time that Bob Iger and Disney obviously are going to want to crank forward some of those franchises, some of the new production uh, use perhaps some of the new technology in that spatial video component uh, that we know Apple is going to bring to bear. Who better to use that in a content creation than Disney? Um, and right now, it just seems like they're they're buying some time. We got to get through the government shutdown. We got to get through the writer strike. We need a resolution for the auto workers. Uh, not to mention, we've got a GOP debate on Wednesday. That's going to be messy. I don't know what's happening there. I'll zoom out a little bit further in the in the global spectrum of things, uh, and we can try to tie all this together. But we've we've been talking a lot about um, a lot of the uh, executives at a lot of these big tech companies having um, being being Indian, um, and we talked about Vivek Ramaswamy in the GOP really emerging as this uh, this bright shining star. And where did he get his money? And he's talking about passing crypto regulation if he were to get elected and at the same time that we're being we're seeing this narrative about us and this mass migration that's happening at the southern border all at the very same moment you now see this international global tension flaring up between our neighbors to the north canada uh making some pretty uh i guess bad accusations against uh, and I don't have the, the full story, some of this ha breaking over the weekend, but it seems like Trudeau making some comments about uh, the Indian leadership team. It sounds like somebody was murdered and Trudeau straight up calling out how he collected that information, talking about the eyes of five. How do we make sense of all of this when you talk about U.S. government shutdown, crisis at the border, you've got tech companies and content production like ready to go guys all right guys we're ready to crank this economy and and now you've got this weird like i didn't think canada had any enemies i didn't think anybody was mad at canada but now it seems like india might be yeah I, it, it kind of caught me off guard there you really rarely hear i mean you've heard different similar things in canada the last couple of years with other types of strikes, right? There was the truckers who were blocking the highways and there's kind of like a lot of, there've been protests and there've been some unrest, but I don't think I really appreciated how, you know, we've been covering the rise of India on the global scale, where you talk about them eclipsing China in terms of overall population, beating Russia to the moon, right? There's just all these W's they're putting up on the board. And maybe it's a case where if you just keep putting too many W's on the board, the target on your back gets bigger and bigger and then everybody wants a piece of you. It could be as simple as that, that now is the time that Canada is fed up and wants to start talking about some international intrigue the same way that we you know the United States was wrapped up in that, if you recall, with the Khashoggi murders in Saudi Arabia, 
being you know implicated about what's going on in the Turkish uh, embassies. Um, it feels like as soon as you start to make waves and ripples, and look, Modi is not, he, he's out there talking. He's talking about almost everything at once. They're talking about how they're going to introduce like new rules about the number of women are going to be allowed in government as like a, as a hard quota. They're talking again, drilling for ice and water on the moon. They're talking about the full digital rupee as to settle all business debts and like as a form of, of settlement across all transactions, business to business. I mean, it's just one thing after another. And uh, and then, of course, you know, hosting and, or being the centerpiece of these different summits, whether it's the BRICS or the G20, really taking a center stage. Um, there's big to do about holding up a sign that, um, you know, that says Bharat and not India, because that is the going back to one of the original terms in language because india obviously is something that's called the colonial term and that's created a whole bunch of internal conversations so you want to talk about people making waves across the global stage and how that then ripples through to the u.s it is a big deal because as you pointed out a lot of major american tech companies have if not ceos very senior leadership who are indian american that's flowing now to the government stage so to, you can't uncouple it anymore right. it's going to be a GOP debate, it's going to be a, a, a street fight, apparently, in Silicon Valley, right, as to who is going to be the second best to Apple on the Vision Pro. We know Google has changed their roadmap. We've been sure Microsoft is changing their roadmap. Everyone's chasing, you know, changing. And now we have our, you know, international partners maybe making a play. Maybe Canada wants to be more America's pal now for some reason. Again, not, not I don't even know how to unpack that one, but there definitely is that India is going to be a major topic through the next 12 months, all regardless, just because of the cycle we're getting into for both presidential candidacies. And then as the, as his comments, as Modi and comments on the Ukrainian incursion continue to, you know, there's going to be a story and a narrative there. It's whose side is he on? And then we're going to have to slightly change the way line of the globe looks at it. I, I love how you put that in terms of the, the global rise of of India and and into these positions of power at big technology conglomerates and perhaps uh, a rise uh, or some ascension here into politics and and just to try to make sense for our listeners because I know we're 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 jumping a little bit all over the place but to me as we talk about these companies having to align uh, we talk about new alliances forming money flowing in in perhaps directions that it had not flowed previously. We're talking about uh, real-time payments, the ability to now have these cross-border real-time payments. Uh, that requires regulation around cryptocurrency. Simultaneously, we're talking about all these amazing advances in AI and, and the regulation that's going to need to take place around AI. Perhaps this is why Gensler was shifting uh, to this regulation around AI, not around crypto, because it does ultimately require governments to work together under a set of standard rules and and uh, even if these are um, just the 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 widely accepted rules right even if they're just the norms the cultural norms how we process payments with international countries how we deal with fake news and and how we plan to regulate ai maybe some of these things are in conflict with otherwise would be uh you know our 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 allies, but because it has different implications now for the U.S.'s sovereignty around making computer chips and uh, how we process real-time payments and who we end up partnering with, I think that could be really what's what's at play here of um, 
who and how we continue to align ourselves with our our North American. I remember we talked about this in the last episode. There was like that weird thing from the White House in January. It was like about the North American alliance or whatever it was. And it was Canada, the U.S. and Mexico as one, one you know, strong front. And it seems like maybe we are having to thread the needle on this one a little bit uh, to try to get everyone to line up, to get these dominoes to fall and to have the narrative go the way the u.s federal government would like it to go uh, i don't know if you've got a reaction to that yeah no just a, a reaction to that is like these are these things all do go hand in hand because the news or the cultural media or whatever it is that we are putting out we america it's very strong like some people refer to it as propaganda but it's also just one of our cultural uh, exports to the world right is our entertainment our point of view our way of visualizing events or even rewriting history in some cases based on how we film movies and tv shows and let's look at the cycle. Like we're in a writer strike, okay? We're in these other strikes. We have all these things happening. We talk about the global implications, going to the moon and stuff. But what else is happening in entertainment right now? And AI is what we hear from Gensler, and AI is what we hear from entertainment, right? What movie is coming out on the 29th of September as a release date, which is the day before the looming government shutdown? It's a movie called The Creator, and the movie The Creator is what looks to be like a pretty heavy-handed America, rah, rah, gotta go get the AI and save the world type of a story. What? Complete with, like, Vietnam-era music playing over trailers of, got, you know, GIs running, holding what looked like um, an Asian child who is technically the, the AI product of this you know, of the Skynet that we remember from the old Terminator days, right? It's not like it's a new concept, right? It's also no surprise that right now on Netflix, you can watch 2001 A Space Odyssey, which was produced <laughs> a very long time ago, which features uh, HAL 9000, which is an AI computer. And they have seeded all uh, essential functions to, to HAL 9000. And the HAL 9000 famously says, I'm sorry, I can't do that, Dave. You know, it's the computer says no and suddenly threatens the mission. And we see that with Mother in the movie Alien. And we see that with Skynet in the movie The Terminator. And the AI, the rise of the machines, are gonna one day take over and imprison and and uh, you know and, and, and basically take over the world and, and push you know humans out of existence. So is it convenient timing? I don't know. Is it convenient timing for the Walt Disney Company to have their favorite reality star, Kim Kardashian, who, by the way, <laughs> has a full deal with Hulu for the show The Kardashians. So when Disney says, hey, we need you to go do a baby shower at Disneyland, she just says yes. Um, and then you have a movie coming out, which is talking about AI and how America is going to save the world and the AI child. And then we're going to roll. And, and it's like, this is these and then and these and thens. And all we hear is Gary Gensler talking about AI. He's not shut down. And if the SEC is not shut down, is the CFTC, is the DOJ, is the, are all the acronyms that we always throw around because there's a long list of agencies, are any of them shut down? Or is the whole thing, the U.S. government's version of their own movie called Coming, releasing on the 30th of September, the United States government, Fed now and Congress says, Watch this thing called the government shutdown, and we're going to probably talk about AI the whole time, and blah blah blah, and all these things. And somehow we're going to come out of it, and everything's going to start up again. Like you said, 
it just, it feels like everything, we're coming into like a crescendo moment at the end of this week, a tsunami. Um, I, that's my, my feedback on it. Is I feel like this is like a story that we have heard and seen before. There was a government shutdown 10 years ago, the looming one, 15, 20. Hey, there are AI movies 10, 15, 20 years ago. Are there any new stories or are there just new twists and lenses to put on the same darn stories? So I'm going to hear about AI at the end of the week. I'm going to hear about the government shutdown at the end of the week. Is it anything different than I've seen over the last three decades, four decades? That's what I'm wondering. Or is this going to be the same story just told? It's like same song, second verse. So I'm starting to feel like a little bit. A little dog Groundhog's Day. I mean, this movie lineup with dumb money into the creator, I'm, I'm currently reading the Wikipedia. Like, I don't get plugged in enough to the coming Hollywood release schedule because I'm looking at this. <laughs> And I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm in shock of how much of this has been in the pipeline, right? This movie was, uh, looks like they filmed it in 2019. It looks mm -hmm. like the first time the film was shown was in April at CinemaCon. And uh, it looks like they changed the name. The title was renamed from, at the time, it was called True Love. Interesting, to being called The Creator. Um, and I guess there's... It's funny, I, the, the other part I'm reading of this is that they, uh, at the NFL game last weekend, they did a publicity stunt where they had actors dressed as AI robots, and I saw that. I did not put it together with the movie, but the NFL is, is also uh, ramping up its season, and I was, I was saying this the other day of, like, they are a machine um, in what they can bring to bear and the narratives that they can force. I mean... Taylor Swift had to show up at an NFL game yesterday and the world heard about it, um, which I, I think is really, really fascinating. But the fact that they used this movie, the creator, the publicity stunt with these AI robots, I just didn't put it all together. Now it's coming back around. It also looks like there was some controversy about them using footage from the 2020 Beirut explosion as a visual effects and, and that it wasn't supposed to be shown in the actual movie so there's some uh like yeah, yeah, nuclear there's, there's so many great storylines that are coming out and we don't want to spoil the movie too too much but the point all i'm saying that by bringing all that up is ai taking right. over and the threat of it is going to be literally the only thing anyone talks about through the rest of this year and maybe gary gensler is going to be looked at as the oracle in some way of life you mentioned it at the press club and you were there talking about ai <laughs> i told you we need to talk about AI, not crypto. And then guess what happens? Like now we're just going to start to see, we're already seeing it with, well, black box algorithms that hedge fund managers are using to trade. Well, that's AI. And then we need AI to help identify, you know, to help you figure out how to better use Alexa and Nest and all these different things. And we're going to use, and then, and, and then and this is actually really interesting, but the NFL parallel, watch Thursday night football broadcasts, right? Thursday night football is what Amazon has bought, right? They right. own every Thursday night show. If you ever watch one of their broadcasts, they're like six hours, right? There's the game, but they usually stack a couple full hours in front of it and a little bit after it. And they have these you know, myriad uh, you know, announcers and different people's perspectives, but they introduce and they refer to it as using AI to parse all of this data set, this big blob of data, so that when kind of pseudo real time, I mean, they're getting better. If you, if you watch the broadcast, like they're able to drop little 
PlayStation style rings underneath players' legs, show you like the path they're going to take, the route they're going to run, show you things like percentage chance of catching, given oh, the geez. amount of daylight between the numbers on the guy's chest and the, and the defender's <laughs> arm. Then these like bizarre statistics about, you know, on average, when there's a game that's played on Thursday night and someone's playing against and there's someone in the stands, like they can even do the like, well, when, when, when some guy, when Kelsey's girlfriend's in the stand, he tends to perform this much better about <laughs> the moment, you know, it gets to where, and they keep saying AI, AI. And I feel like now this is the wave, right? This is where it's going to be in TV. It's going to be in movies. It's going to be in sports. And it's going to be in, of course, everyone like you and I who work in technical fields, every inbox, every morning, I got some email with AI written on it. There's other, some article about it. And now it's becoming the buzzword that probably most people don't even know what they're saying. Like yeah, they're and saying AI because they're supposed to. But it, it's going to be the talk of maybe of the GOP debate. AI will come up if crypto doesn't. Interesting. That might be a good $2 bill bet. What's the first – will crypto be mentioned before AI or AI before crypto? Uh, AI, definitely. I would take that bet. <laughs> um, not financial advice. But uh, that's also really interesting. I, we've talked a little bit on the show about DraftKings and the, the kind of uh, – the rise of the real-time betting ecosystems and all the state laws and the casinos that, that have now made this legal. And then you layer in that AI piece of it. That becomes super interesting of – you know, if I've got all that predictive data at my fingertips, as long as it's available to everyone, I don't know how you make sense of that. But that seems like probably a good place for uh, the betting lawyers to be paying attention to of how potential bets are using AI to, uh, well, increase their odds of, of winning the bet. Um, I have yeah, no doubt have they're all looking to... at that. If you have access to that data, and they're already talking about the is the Agilent, I forget the name of the stadium, it's in Vegas, um, but that you're going to start to have real-time betting opportunities where maybe you're going to be, like we always used to do when we were kids, you know, yeah. it's like your parents were like, hey, 25 cents, you think it's so wrong, it's next play. And then that can be translated now to, I have an app, I'm geofenced because they know where I am. I'm in the stadium or I'm in Nevada or I'm in wherever I'm allowed to be to do this. And I start hitting buttons and I can start moving my little cryptocurrencies or whatever the betting coin you know mgm has jamie fox up there going on and on about how he's like the, the king of betting and mgm has all these opportunities and all these things and you can just hit buttons on a phone and as soon as you can create the ai black box algorithm equivalent for betting the way you do for hedge fund triage trading like you said if you have a whole bunch of bots all making bets on passes and runs every play you could kind of triage and swing I don't know, maybe win on the margins every game just because you have enough of your own interest betting against yourself. It's not that big of a stretch. They're already doing it right now for, sure. for stock markets, right? So, yeah, I, I think, again, AI is going to be dangerous. And it's not going to look like a child, <laughs> like yeah. the creator. I think, I mean, that's fascinating to think about the real time. Those are smart contracts. If it's like you and I sitting in the room watching the game and it's like, you know, you're betting on uh, – I don't even know, like the next person that they pan to is wearing a, a red shirt, you know, in the stands, like you could make up in real time, sign it with a smart contract, use the blockchain as the intermediary um, and <laughs> and process those as real time payments. As long as you've got Coinbase looking over your shoulder as the real time surveillance partner, we haven't talked about them much in all of this. I did something popped up for me just within the past hour that our boy, uh, uh, Vitalik transferring another 400 ETH. He did this a couple weeks ago. We thought it was weird then. It felt like sort of paying the piper 
uh, to to be relevant, uh, to make sure that he isn't viewed as a security. I don't know, uh, but another 400 ETH coming from Vitalik, founder of Ethereum, over to Brian Armstrong at Coinbase. Um, it's an interesting one, right? Because we, when we were parsing the news on this a few weeks ago, it's. It, I want to say it was a million or a million, uh, one point two million dollars equivalent last time. This time might be six hundred thousand. You were saying it's these, and we all know Vitalik Buterin. For those who don't know, is effectively the father, the creator of Ethereum, and that entire, which is sort of the number two blockchain, if you consider Bitcoin the number one blockchain. Um, so we know that he has. I mean, by most weights and measures, an almost infinite amount of ETH. <laughs> I mean, just to like, the number must be so big because he's, you know, or he can just make more. I mean, who knows? <laughs> who He is the creator, right? Um, but so he moves a small amount, 600,000. And it's not, it's not, he's not buying something, right? Let's be very clear, Mr. SEC Chair Gary Gensler <laughs> or CFTC or whoever. Um, what her name was uh, Christy, uh, I forget her last name now, but he's investing it. Like it's it's written as he's investing it in Coinbase, like their investment, their, their entrepreneurship arm almost. So it, it, is that just keeping your name in people's you know heads, relevancy? Like I'll have to move a couple hundred ETH and then I'll, they'll have an article about me. Or is it really, are we seeing the slow buildup and the slow kind of, convergence uh between the ethereum network and coinbase like is this going to become i feel like there's a weird partnership coming and that would be interesting because obviously bitcoin could never be a part of a partnership because there isn't anybody to talk to so maybe vitalik and armstrong are starting to realize hey if everyone's if technology is going to be technology and bitcoin is going to be bitcoin why don't we do the thing that the AI and technology can. Can't we be. can partner as humans and do Ooh. other interesting things. Let's be and maybe humans. We can beat the robots. Maybe <laughs> we, Armstrong and Buterin, can beat the robot. <laughs> uh, coming to theaters 2024. I mean, that sounds like the perfect David versus Goliath type movie, doesn't it? Right. Uh, it's it's almost too good. We, we missed one of our AI stories, just to stick on this one, but talk about the behemoth the Apple AI chief referring to iOS 17, and I even referenced iOS 17, um, Safari search feature in Google during the Google antitrust testimony. So we covered this on the podcast last week, uh, that this is going to be a big deal, this this Google antitrust um, lawsuit, basically. And it's just interesting that the Apple AI chief is straight up referring to Safari search feature. Um, talk Talk to me. Yeah, I mean, I think, one. look, we talk about the timing of all these messages, the point counterpoint. Uh, we know that Wanderlust was scheduled just on a Tuesday in the fall. It just happened to be the same Tuesday that Google was going to court. You know, there's always, is anything by accident? Of course not. Um, and what's the big gripe that everyone has and everyone knows, and we talked about this, is if you default something on a device, you are being anti-competitive, Right. And uh, I think Apple's coming out right now just to note, hey, guys, look at our operating system. You know, we have a browser. It's called Safari. We don't force you to use it. You know, like we're, we're, like you said, we're the little Apple with the lock icon and the little green stem. We're about your privacy and your security and your environmental concerns. So it's just a nice little, it felt like a nice little shot right across the front of the boat of, hey, if you guys are looking for any uh, comparison, just check out your iPhone. You will see that... Uh, 
You're not going to have Google messing around there with you, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like it's like kind of coming out and saying like, yeah, we're on board with exactly how we're going to prevent more of this bad practice. Just another great moment for Apple to take a swing. Um, and they're just not going to stop. I mean, clearly they're not going to stop from, they're going to keep running articles and keep hammering on it and just keep them on their heels. Uh, and that's how I think Apple's going to continue pushing forward with their tech and try to hold others as they're at bay. Be really interesting to watch how that plays out. Um, another one that came across here, but OpenAI giving ChatGPT a voice for verbal conversation. So I saw this this morning that the generative AI engine is also getting image search. So when you think about Google and you think about some of the big advancements that people just are still, you know, my, my, my mother, my father is still fascinated by, they can take a picture of something and search for that exact item. Now you've got ChatGPT bringing this new, this capability to its AI bot. Uh, the example I saw from them this morning was about repairing a bicycle. And by just taking a picture of the bike seat and asking it, how do I raise or lower my seat? It would describe to you the type of tool. And then the person says, I have these tools and takes a picture of it. And it's like, use this one. And it literally can uh, walk you through a step-by-step -step process using images, using the text prompts to create real-time instructions, uh, which I think is a really fascinating use of the tech. Uh, I've seen some other weird AI stuff the past couple of days, a lot of movement on the voice translation. So we, mm -hmm. we had played with this uh, about maybe four or five weeks ago, and now I'm seeing it uh, really just proliferate everywhere, the real-time auto-dubbing over your mouth. Uh, I think about that a lot when I think about entertainment and content creation. I put myself in the Disney and the Apple shoes. If all of a sudden the AI can take that single take, that single actor, um, and translate it into every language in real time to be distributed and syndicated on any streaming network in any language. Um, that's a fascinating use of where the content creation is going. So I, I covered a couple of other random AI stuff, but new yeah, ChatGPT so and and what that means for content creation. And, well, in ChatGPT too, you know, obviously it's like the the number one AI. People talk about it. Everyone goes there because it's it, it was the it was a hot topic. Obviously, closing out the academic year and all the implications with students and cheating and everything else. Um, but there's plenty of other AI things that are popular out there. I would also look to Bard, um, which is Google's AI. And they just announced today that there's going, there is, if not already, are going to be, if not already, full integration to the Google products and services. So kind of the same way you can let Alexa get a few skills they call them skills right uh in Amazon's world to do things like turn on my lights which I know you've worked with before or you can have them like you know do various activities in your internet of things enabled home well now Google Bard if you give it access to Google Docs to your email to your scheduler to all the things you use to your nest you can talk to it and and say you know hey I need to draft an email to Michael Toner uh, talking about this podcast lineup and doing a synopsis and I want to cover this, 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 and this. And then it just sends you an email and I don't even need to look at it. And it's like that all of a sudden you start to realize that level of automation and, and it kind of, there's a parallel there with what you just described with the translation stuff. Cause we were playing with that. I'll pull the two together, which is, you know, so much of what you and I have lived through that we would have just thought would have gone on forever. It's just going to go away. And I say that, you know, you can now see how, there's a scenario where my kids and my kids' kids, like obviously will never touch a keyboard, 
right? Like I would just say something to the bot and things are going to happen. The idea that anyone would have to read a subtitle on a movie, <laughs> like yeah. how archaic to have something that clearly is a text input either displayed on my screen or in front of me. Um, and that's going to be the kind of thing where even to this day, right? The, do we teach calligraphy in school anymore? Do they even teach keyboarding? I mean, I know they, they are and they do, but the transition is on. And once I saw that thing with the Google Docs integration, I realized, wow, I, I, have, I have probably typed millions of emails over my life. And I probably typed the same small subset of words in those emails, just in different order easily. It's gotta be one of the, if I can get all those minutes of my life back, I would do it in a heartbeat. And I feel like now this is actually going to be real, that you're just not going to have to do the same thing over and over again. And that's something that I feel like, if, if, if anything can change for me from an AI world is, how about I don't have to write another email that's literally just touching base? <laughs> I think maybe as a final thought here, AI is touching everything from the highest echelons of government to the day-to-day -day tasks of individual contributors and up and down the board. And it sounds like hyperbole and it sounds like a big, you know, just a big hype, but it is going to dominate, as you said, the conversation for the rest of the year. Um, I will leave it there, sir. We'll, uh, we'll do it again next week. We'll do it again right after the government shutdown. See you in October, <laughs> our favorite month. Uh, we'll talk to you then. Talk to you then, man. That's all the time we have for this episode of Off the Record, On the Rocks. Join us next week for more news on all things Web3. Check, please.